It's amazing, isn't it, to hear stories of how God's kind of just intercepting people, meeting with people, encountering people, um, and changing lives. And what I'm talking about this morning might seem completely divorced from the idea, but I'm talking about fasting. And actually, I think when God's people fast, when people are desperate and we're seeking God, I think we, we kind of find him. You know, he's not hidden away. He wants to be found. He wants to meet with his people. I'm just going to read a couple of uh, passages, the two bits that Jesus talks about for fasting, which is Matthew 6 and Matthew 9. Um, if you've got a Bible with you, um, I find it interesting that Jesus spends a bit of time talking about fasting. This is what he says in Matthew 6. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you that they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who is in secret will reward you. And then just three small chapters later, in Matthew 9, he says this. The disciples of John came to him saying, Why do we and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples don't? And Jesus said to them, Can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? The day will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, he's talking about himself, and then they will fast. No one puts a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch tears away from the new garment, and a worse tear is made. Neither is new wine put into old wine skins. If it is, the skins burst and the wine is spilled, and into the skins, uh, and the skins are destroyed. But new wine is put into fresh wine skins, and so both are preserved. And it's interesting that he, he talks about fasting, and then he talks about uh, you, you don't do what you used to do. There's a new day and a new covenant. And some of us are kind of, I think, waiting for that new day. We want a fresh move of God. I look at the life of Redeemer King over the last nine months, and I'm blown away by God's grace but I'm hungry to see more of it. You know, it's great to hear two stories this morning of God transforming lives, but wouldn't it be great to hear 10 times that, 100 times that, that every week there's too many people putting their hands up to say, I want to testify as to what God's done in my life. And one of those means of grace that we find in scripture is fasting. Um, so I'm just going to pray and then I'll just explain a little bit about it. It might be that you've never heard of it, you don't know what I'm talking about, or you just think Muslims do it during Ramadan. Um, which they do, obviously. That's just finishing, I think. Or it's just finished. But as Christians, uh, we're actually called to fast as well. So why don't we just pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you speak to us today. That you, um, in time and in space, the creator of the universe wants to have a personal relationship with every single one of us. We just thank you for your spirit and we pray that you'd speak life to us this morning. God, that you just... Uh, quicken our hearts that you'd make us receptive to your word and we'd be able to put into action the things that you want us to do that we might seek your face that we might meet with you more that we might have more stories of your grace more stories of your goodness and your faithfulness here in Chesterfield so we just ask you to speak to us now in Jesus name Amen so the question for you we're doing these 20 questions I drew, if you're superstitious, which I'm not, I drew number 13, um, which is why should I fast? And I toyed with the idea of not doing this. Um, I actually went to see Damien this week and I was telling Damien, where is he? I'm looking for him. There he is. I can see his beard, Marla. Um, and I toyed with the idea of not doing it. I thought, well, there must be something else I can do. Why, why am I talking about fasting? You know, people really that bothered. Are people going to get it? Um, and even though when me and Carl met, 
a few months ago. We've met since then, you'll be pleased to know. But to decide what the 20 questions were. This was one of the kind of immediate 20. And then I realised, actually, if I... It struck me almost that if I wasn't prepared to teach on fasting, or if I wasn't going to speak about fasting, then I'm part of the problem, really. I'm part of the reason that people misunderstand it, or part of the reason that people might not do it. Because we never teach on it, we never speak on it. It's one of those things that we might have heard of, but we never kind of do. And I want to put to you this morning that by committing to fasting, in whatever shape or form that looks like, it might just change your relationship with God forever. That's what I think fasting can do. I think it can change your relationship with God forever. I think you can go to a deeper place with God when we fast. When we invest the time and the energy into just seeking Him, I think it changes the, changes the ballpark. And it's significant when you read Scripture that all through, the, all through the Scriptures, Old Testament, New Testament, when they fast, when they pray, when they worship, and when they fast, God starts to do the most amazing things. More often than not, there's fasting taking place before there's a, an amazing move of God. To sum it up in a nutshell, fasting is the giving up of food, traditionally. But obviously today, in our day and age, food not, might not be your vice. You might not eat food. You might be on one of these crazy diets where you just eat salad, which doesn't count. You might not eat meat. That's okay. You might, you might have really strict dietary control, so food is not fun anymore. You know, it's like my father-in-law has got this gluten thing and it's taken all the joy out of food for him. I feel really sorry just eating bread and things in front of him. I'm quite happy with that. But food for some of us can be a bit of a struggle. It's not necessarily a joy. It's not all Big Macs and bargain buckets. So food might not be our kind of vice as it was back then, but we all eat or we're not here. Uh, and fasting is the giving up of food, whether it's uh, one day a week maybe, maybe it's weeks at a time. Maybe it's 40 days, 40 nights. Maybe it's just one meal a day, you know, not, not having breakfast and fasting breakfast every day. There is no hard and fast rule. Jesus doesn't turn around and say, right, every single Monday at 12 o'clock till Tuesday on 12 o'clock, you must fast. If you go looking for that, you won't find it. There doesn't appear to be a hard and fast rule. It's just a general principle that we should fast. And it's, it's basically our spiritual hunger being stoked by a physical hunger. You use the time that you would be eating normally, which for some of us might be longer than others, and you use that time to seek God's face. It's not as if you just give up a meal and then start playing on your Xbox. You give up your meal and start using that to pray or to worship or to be down on your knees, to be seeking God's face. Um, and when you're fasting, it's almost as if you're telling God what you're doing. You know, I'm, I'm not eating, I'm, I'm doing it. He knows already, but it's a part of the fast. And it's not easy. But it's not supposed to be. The first, few hour, the first few hours are okay because it's just like going between meals. But they say you hit a bit of a wall after kind of three or four days that actually, once you get past that kind of initial period, it somehow becomes a little bit easier as your body kind of gets used to not taking in food. So I'm told if you go beyond three days, it's okay. It's fine. It's just getting to that point. Now, it might seem like a bit of a faff, and you might say, well, I've never done that before, I've never thought about doing that before, but that's part of what we're teaching on this morning. Probably, most of us have never done it. Is that a fair comment? Probably. Some of us will have done, some of us will have uh, done it for a day, or might have skipped a meal here and there to fast and to seek God or something, but most of us wouldn't see it as a kind of part of our Christian walk with God. Wouldn't see it as something that we do if we want to seek God's face. 
We might go, yeah, I read my Bible, yeah, I pray. Fasting probably wouldn't be the thing that springs to mind. But I want to put to you this morning, actually it should be one of those things that does. One of those things that we should think about doing and committing to doing, to seek God's face. Because I think fasting, it's not so much, it's not kind of hitting people over, over the head and saying you must fast, that's not what I'm here to do. But it more reveals our heart, more reveals what we're about, what we want, what we desire. And that's the whole point of fasting, it's giving up something we desire, food, to say actually I desire God more. To say God you are more important to me than the food that I eat or you are more important to me than my Instagram page or my Twitter feed or whatever it is that you give up, whatever it is that you fast from. It's not, and I don't want it to come across this morning, it is not simply checking off that I'm a very good Christian because I fast, so I've ticked the spiritual checkbox. You know, have you ever thought about that? Oh, Christianity is a list of do's and don'ts. Well, it's not in that sense. It's about living for God, and, as Carl talked about, and navigating uh, our journey as through the ups and downs. But our appetite, especially as a man, speaking very generally here, our appetite dictates the direction of our lives. Dictates what we spend our time doing. Dictates how we live our life even. If we get a taste for something that we like doing, we might go over head over the heels for it for a bit. Whether that's food, you know, just discover Chinese food. And then every week you've got to have Chinese. That's a little bit like me at the moment. I used to like Indian. But anything above a korma wrecks me. Seriously. Anything above, anything above a korma. I can handle a korma. Just. But it wrecks me. So Chinese is my new thing. So if you ever invite me over, and the family, obviously. Chinese, not Indian. But we, you know, we have kind of cravings, don't we? It might be for possessions. You might see something and go, I've got to have one of those. I've just, you know, or Carl was telling me that he saw a Ferrari the other day, and it's like, you get a bit of a taste for it, you see it, and you go, oh, got to get me one of those. I mean, obviously it's never going to happen. I could probably get a little toy Ferrari. But that would be, be quite good. But... Do you know what I mean? When you see something, you want it, your life kind of starts to pursue it. Um, I think of my wife when she's pregnant, or actually just all the time, when she's got cravings. I need some of these, I need some crackers, I need this, I need that. I don't understand that, but it, it gives an idea. They get, a, they get a taste for something, and life revolves around, have we got Jacob's cream crackers in our cupboard or not? And if we haven't, you are going to Morrison's. Because One Stop don't have any, because I bought all the ones in One Stop. That's what happens. Um, or it could be things like, you know, our life starts to pursue power or fame or sex or our identity. And all these things compete with our longings for God. And that's why we have fasting. If uh, as Christians this morning we have a hunger for anything, and it's not bad to have hunger for anything other than God, but sometimes they can be so kind of encapsulating that they almost become our arch enemy. These things control us and take over us, and they're things that ultimately will never satisfy us, but they're things that we want to. Because our hunger for God is the only thing that will actually ever fulfill all those needs we have. And there's a question is, how hungry are we for more of God this morning? That's a question, I'm not being rhetorical. Are we hungry for the things of God? Are we hungry to see more of Him? Do we want to see his power breaking in? Do we want more stories of the miraculous happening? The answer should be yes. If we want to be more like Christ every day, the answer should be yes. And actually the biblical response would be, okay, you want to seek my face, you want more of me, then fast. 
Now, just to clear up a misunderstanding, if you're in a difficult place this morning, if you're struggling, I'm not saying that by fasting, God will suddenly make everything okay. I'm not saying by fasting that tomorrow it will be butterflies and rainbows and life will be beautiful. Life will be beautiful, but I'm not saying that all your problems will disappear as soon as you start fasting. But what I would say is that it pleases God when his people do. That God's pleased to pour out his spirit upon those that are living lives that are pleasing to him. And your fasting is not about proving to me or proving to Carl or proving to your mates that you're hungry for God. It's about proving to God that you are. It's about demonstrating your desperation for him. I'll start with a significant passage that I read at the very start. And it might have just passed you by completely, but it's really important. Jesus speaking in Matthew 6. And when you fast, don't look gloomy like the hypocrites. For they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you that they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head, wash your face, that your fasting might be seen by other people. Uh, Not be seen by other people, but by your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. Have you noticed that, that Jesus assumes that his people, the disciples, the people that are listening at the Sermon of the Mount, will fast? If you open up your translation, whatever translation you've got, as long as it's an accurate one, it will say, and when you fast. It won't say, if you fast. It'll say, when. And he says it twice. When you fast, this will happen. When you fast, make sure you wash and look clean so that nobody knows you're doing it. Because obviously what was going on, uh, and that's why we have this conversation in Matthew 9 as well, is our favourite people in the Bible, the Pharisees, are fasting are doing their kind of spiritual checkbox. They're praying, they're fasting, they're doing all this stuff. But it's really obvious that that's what they're doing. They're like the super spiritual people of the day. You almost, I get this picture of them kind of walking around with, you know, their faces all like this, and they've drawn wrinkles on so they look really tired, and they've made themselves look gaunt somehow. And you can just imagine their conversations, can't you, as they go around with the people. You can just imagine them saying, Oh, you know what? I'm really hungry. Do you know why I'm really hungry? I've not eaten for two and a half weeks. Yeah, I'm fasting, yeah. Yeah, I love God. I'm fasting. Two and a half weeks. How long have you fasted for? Oh, you're not fasting. That's what's going on in Matthew 9. Jesus' disciples aren't fasting at the time, and the Pharisees are, and they're like, well, we're fasting. Why aren't you? Look at us. We look hungry. We're thirsty. Why are you guys, you know, chowing down on... I was going to say bacon, but they wouldn't eat that, would they? <laughs> Having some steak. What's going on? And it's not... Um, their fasting, the way that we do it is in private. And that's why it's not to please man. It's not to please the people that you're sat next to. But it's, it's about pleasing God. You know, your fasting should be done in private. And these people are fasting, they're, they're hungry, they're not being fussy, they're just, these Pharisees, are just, they're just doing it to demonstrate to the world how holy they are. And that's not the primary reason that we fast, is it? That's not the reason that we, we do it. We do it to show Jesus, to show God that we demonstrate our love for him. When, when Jesus says, don't do it like that, instead have a wash, be clean, look on form, don't go around telling people you're hungry, just get on with it, seek my face, because that is what pleases him. It's interesting, isn't it? I've said this already, that when you think of, say, spiritual disciplines, you think of things that 
Christians do. You think of prayer, don't you? You might think of, well, you should go to church, you should pray, you should read your Bible, you should take communion. Fasting, if it gets on the list, is maybe 20, 25, 30, a ways down the list. And somehow we just don't join the dots of fasting equates kind of seeking God. And my um, particular kind of point on this, and my kind of thoughts as I was driving up the M1 yesterday, were that I don't think, in our society at least in the UK, I don't think we're desperate enough. You know, the times that, or the time that I've been uh, with my friends in East Africa, you know, who have comparatively very little, yeah, and they're not, when they fast, they're not, you know, they've got food, they could eat, but they're desperate. They're desperate to see a move of God. They want more of him. And I kind of think in our culture in the UK, particularly in the West, I'd say in the US as well, I just don't think we're desperate enough. And we wonder why, you know, society kind of says, well, churches are failing and stuff isn't happening. Maybe it's because we're a bit like laissez-faire about our relationship with God. Do you know what I mean a little bit? It's a bit, oh, it's all right. A little bit of God here, a little bit of God there. We're not desperate enough. Because if we were, I reckon we'd be fasting. Because our fasting is an act of devotion to God and our stuff gets in the way. I kind of picture it a little bit like this with when we're fasting. Say if I'm trying to have a relationship, you know, a, a bit of a, a conversation with Carl here, and we're, imagine this is something a bit more significant than a stand. You know, this stuff here is kind of in the way of us kind of communing, in the way of me seeking him, in the way of me knowing him, and vice versa. And so this kind of stand, if you like, could be food, it could be your Facebook, it could be snooping on other people on Facebook, it could be Instagram, it could be Twitter, it could be exercise, gardening, decorating, it could be anything. Now a lot of these things are all good things, they're not bad things in and of themselves, but when they become kind of ultimate things and we're spending hour after hour doing them, and yet we wonder why we don't hear from God because we're not spending the time seeking him, and yet all this stuff is in the way. So the idea of fasting is, I'm going to move that out of the way. Now that stuff is no longer in the way of me having a, you know, a bit of a cheeky conversation with Carl. But it's all the better because it's with our Father in heaven who loves to speak to us, who loves to bless us with his spirit. See, I think the greatest danger for us um, the greatest danger for our hunger for God and kingdom advancement is not evil, but I think it's apathy. I think it's lethargy. I think it's laziness. I don't think it's poison. I think it's plenty. Because we have so much, we're lazy with God. We're lazy in our relationship with him. I think we have all these things in life which are good things, but they act as deadly substitutes for God. Things that we put our hope and our trust in that cloud our vision, our exercise, our coffee, whatever they might be. You just think about your day and what you spend most of your time doing. Think about how could I be more desperate for God in the things that I do? How can I make changes to my day practically in order to go after him? I remember once meeting a woman who, um, she did what the Pharisees do actually because she was bragging about fasting. So we won't, we won't give her points for that. Well, she prayed and fasted. She said she prayed for like eight hours a day um, and fasted. I kind of look at my day and go, I'm not sure how you manage that. But I think she was praying as she goes, you know, in whatever she does. But I think she kind of traveled a lot. So she was in a car or a plane. She'd just spend her time praying. But she said she fasted as well. And you know, 
despite a kind of bragging a little bit, um, God did some amazing things. You should have so many stories of God breaking in, um, in power into different situations because of the amount of time that she spent removing the things of this world, removing the plenty in order to focus on spending time with God. And okay, we don't all have eight hours, but actually what we have is a 24-hour day. And within that, we can use anything that we do. If we're at work for eight hours a day, there is no reason why at work we can't be giving glory to God. There's no reason why we can't take five minutes in the car to be praying. Or There's no reason, actually, unless we've got kind of medical things going on where we should eat or we should, that we, we can't fast occasionally for one meal or for a week. Or even, if, if we can't fast from food, to fast from social media or fast from other vices. There aren't actually reasons to do that. It's just using our time well. And it struck me yesterday, I've said that I was driving up from Essex yesterday, that's where my family are still. Um, most of us, and I, I felt like this was God speaking to me actually, and saying, Dan, you treat me like a service station. As I'm going up the M1 and I'm passing these service stations, um, it was almost this sense of God saying, you know, this is how you treat me. Sometimes it's how I feel that our relationship is, that you're on a road, you're on a journey, and I'm just like a stop-off point. I'm not in the car with you. I'm just a little top-up for gas here and there. I'm just a place where I can get some overpriced food. <laughs> a place where I can have a little break, catch, catch a few minutes, rest, and then get back on the road where you're leaving without me again. And it's almost as if to say, well, is God our main thing in our life, or is he just an added extra? Because if he's an added extra, he's a bit like a service station, isn't he? Where we're just driving along in life and we just use him as and when we need him. As and when we run out of fuel, we'll go for a little top up. Instead, he wants to be sat in the car with me. Journeying with me. Walking with me. Not a, he's not a drop in and a drop out God. In fact, all of our life is to bring him glory. Which is why, wherever we are, whatever we're doing... We can seek his face. Can't we? Whatever work we do, whatever job we have, unless we're a food taster for a living and we're going around places testing food for people, we can do a bit of fasting as we go as well. And how often, is this question that burnt in my mind yesterday was, how often do we say or do we think, I've not heard from God? Or I wish God would speak to me. You know, I've got this situation going on at work. I really wish that God would just make his path clear for me. Or I've got this real struggle at home. I really wish I knew what to do. And it was almost as if God said, well, how much time do you spend seeking me? How much of your day is actually spent coming after me? Is it any surprise we don't have any answers when we just expect to, I'll just do that once in a blue moon and think everything will be made right If we're content with life and we don't have fervent longings for more of God and his power, it's kind of, I think, suggested that the, a lack of willingness to fast. And I think if we kind of are willing to try fasting, even to give it a go, um, we'll see God do the most amazing things. I want to read Acts 13 to you. It says this, that we're in the church at Antioch. I'm going to get some of these. I'm going to do a gas and get some of these pronunciations wrong. You've just got to say it with confidence, haven't you? And then everyone thinks you're right. Uh, there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, that's easy, Simeon, who was called Niger, it's a bit of a nickname, Lucius of Cyrene, Manian, a member of the court of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. 
While they were worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set them apart for me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work to which I've called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. At a critical point of all history, this is kind of before they do their missionary journeys, before they're set aside to spread the gospel further afield, Luke, the author of Acts, draws attention to the fact that not only did they pray, but they fasted. This group of people stopped eating in order to focus upon God. And when you read the New Testament, I said this before, when you particularly read Acts, which we spent a bit of time in, they had a pattern of living in the supernatural that these early disciples, they prayed and they fasted. And when they prayed and they fasted, they then saw the power of God. When they took the time to seek God, they saw God do amazing things. Their faith grew. And when they had big decisions to make, particularly concerning the future and their ministry, they fasted. And did you notice, well, I kind of emphasised it a little bit, it was a bit cheating. But in Acts 13 it says, while they were worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said. That's significant, isn't it? God, the Holy Spirit, spoke, an audible voice. That's cool, isn't it? We don't seem very excited. I say, I'm really excited about that, that the Holy Spirit speaks and speaks to us today. Because I think when we fast, stuff happens. And I know that sounds really vague, but it does. God intervenes. And here, the Holy Spirit speaks. And it's a defining time because it says, set apart these guys. And what happens when Barnabas and Saul are set, up, are set apart? The church explodes. Thousands of people are saved. The gospel goes from a very small place to far afield. And it's interesting, isn't it, when we, uh, when we need God's help, when we need God's wisdom for the future or for new ministries, I think it's important that we always, and maybe as a church we need to commit to do this, that we will always stop and we will always fast. You know, if we're appointing people, we're saying, right, we're going to plant another church. We don't just do it, we stop, we pray, we fast. Because I think it's pleasing to God. Because the reason for this is, I don't mean this offensively, I don't want to hear your voice. I want to hear the voice of God. And that's surely got to be our own thing. All right, I might like your opinions, but I don't care for them. That should be our attitude. I care for the opinion of what God says. What's pleasing to God? What brings him glory? What brings him honour? You see, today in our kind of politically correct society, everyone's opinion seems to count, unless it's unpopular. Um, and we're, allowed to offend, we're not allowed to offend anybody apart from we can offend God all we like. But how about, I mean, I'm not saying we should deliberately be offensive, but the gospel is offensive in its very nature because some people don't like it and it gets their backs up a little bit, being told that they need a saviour. People don't like that. But we grow more concerned for what does God think? What does God want? What does God want to do in our town of Chesterfield? You know, the story of this church starting is one of prayer and fasting. You know, it was over a year ago now, and the, the ten of us kind of said, well, we'll use April. And I didn't fast for the whole of April. That would have been amazing. But, you know, missed meals here, missed meals there, took days out to fast and to just seek God's face. Because at the time, there were countless people saying, this isn't of God. Don't do this. This is stupid. This isn't God's plan. This isn't right. You're offending God. You're causing God upset. Blah, 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 blah. I didn't care for that. I want to hear what God has to say. And you know what, after praying and fasting for the month of April, I was more convinced that this was a God thing 
than I was before April. And I was already convinced, but I was more convinced, if that makes sense. In fact, I had this sense upon my heart that it would almost be sinful not to plant this church. It would almost be wrong not to, because there are people in our town who want to hear the gospel. There are people in our town that this, this new place where people can gather, it will make a difference for people. And you know what encourages me and really blesses my heart is that I see people that have been changed by God's grace. That you see God is changing people and will continue to change people. And that's what it's all about. And it was a defining moment for us to stop and to fast and to say, we're going to seek God. We're not just going to do this willy-nilly, but to seek God's face. And you know what? I'm convinced, you know, after fasting, it was even more obvious and right that this was the thing to do. And maybe you're in a bit of a kind of crossroads in your own life now, I don't know. You're thinking about your future, you're thinking about your future work. Maybe you're considering being in ministry, I don't know. And you're somehow asking that question, how can I serve God? Can I just put it to you, why don't you try fasting and praying? Why don't you try just taking some time out, missing the odd meal, and committing that time to seeking God's face? Maybe you want wisdom and guidance in life. This is Acts 14. And when they had appointed elders for them in every church... With prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they believed. When they appoint leaders, when they commit them to their task of caring for people, they pray and fast that God would enable them to do their job. When they want people to be wise, when they want people to have been guided, they pray, they fast. You might fast to avert some danger or threat that you face in life. Fasting is spiritual warfare as well. I want to say that it's a weapon that God gives us against the enemy. That we might be in closer relationship with him. This is Ezra. Then I proclaimed a fast there at the river Ahava. That we might humble ourselves before God. That's another reason we fast. God is great, I am not. By fasting I demonstrate that God is great and I am not. That I want God more than I want my food, for example. And they fasted there, humbled themselves before our God. To seek from him a safe journey for ourselves, for our children, all our goods. They were under threat, they were, they were worried about the future, they were worried about being attacked, and so they fasted that God would protect them. They fasted that God would look after them. And maybe you feel this morning a bit vulnerable in life, under attack from the enemy, or there's a threat in life, you're in a very difficult situation at home, at work, you don't know, you can't see any hope. Consider fasting. Just consider it. Do it in private, you don't need to tell me you're doing it. But just consider fasting because I believe that it's a means of grace that God gives us that we might know him better and it will change situations. The Spirit of God is pleased with people when they fast. And there are tons of other biblical examples. Overcoming temptations when Jesus is in the wilderness and he goes out after being baptised. He's fasting. Right before he starts his public ministry, so it ties in with the Acts 13 stuff, he's fasting. He's saying, no, I want a relationship with my father more than I want the things of this world. And that's what Satan tries to tempt him with, isn't it? For food and for power. And he says, no, I don't want these things because I value my relationship with my father more. And we have those same battles, don't we? Every day we have the same choices and decisions to make. What do we value? What do we live for? We can fast to express our humility. There's uh, all sorts of times in scripture as well where people fast when they're grieving. They've lost loved ones or they're, they're sorrowful for some reason. So they fast. Because they're desperate. 
desperate to hear from God, desperate for that comfort, that peace that Carl spoke about earlier today. We fast for the return of Jesus, that's Matthew 9. They say, once I've gone, Jesus says, once I've gone to heaven, then they'll fast because they'll want me to come back. We fast to be strengthened. We fast to be able to serve others. And there's really one significant one as well that I just want to finish on. And this is from Joel 2. And Joel's an amazing book if you read it because it's so prophetic. You know, he says this will happen and then Pentecost happens and explodes. And actually, part of the prophecy from Joel is yet to be fulfilled with the return of Jesus Christ. But he's fulfilled it in part, so we know we fulfill it fully. But this is another thing that Joel says in Joel chapter 2. Yet even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart with fasting, with weeping and with mourning, and rend your hearts and not your garments. Don't be ripping off your clothes like the Incredible Hulk. Don't do things externally to make yourself look spiritual. Rend your heart. Come to God honestly at knowing your faults and your failures, knowing that it's in here. This is what God cares for. Our hearts, our passions, our desires. Rend your hearts, not your garments. Return to the Lord your God because he's gracious, he's merciful, he's slow to anger and he's abounding in steadfast love. Whether you've been, you sat here this morning, you're a Christian for years and you've never fasted, uh, maybe you used to be a church goer and you don't even know why you're a Redeemer King this morning. That's okay. <laughs> that verse from Joel sums up fasting and more for me. That we could kind of hit you over the head and say, you must fast. But it's about our hearts, it's about our desires, it's about are we seeking God. And if you want more of God, if you want to seek God more, if you want to know him more, if you want to be filled with his spirit more, then I kind of plead with you to try fasting. If you're in a really difficult situation where you're desperate to hear from God, you're desperate for godly intervention, whether it's in your health or otherwise, whether it's work or otherwise, why not try giving up a few things that you spend your time on and fast in its place and use that time to seek God? You know, what I love about this verse is it's not too late. Maybe we've been a Christian for 40 years and we've not fasted. It's not too late. <laughs> It's okay, maybe we've drifted from our relationship with God. As long as there's air in your lungs, it's not too late. We can return to him with all our heart, rending them. God is gracious. After all, he gave Jesus for us. The son of God that we might have everlasting life. And maybe you've been looking in all the wrong places for satisfaction. Well, today could be the day that you make the best decision ever of returning to God for the first time. And like this morning, we'd love to pray with you. But also, we'd love to pray um, with you, you know, if people are struggling and maybe want to think about fasting. Maybe there are people, I think particularly this morning, actually, it's more to do with our hearts. Maybe externally we look holy, but we know that our hearts are far from God. And I think what Julia said was really significant, actually. That there was the health stuff going on, but actually it was almost irrelevant. That what was more significant was what's going on in here. And that's what God cares for. Our whole person, of course, but he wants our hearts. He wants us to desire him. And maybe, just maybe, there are a few people here that have been given the appearance that I'm walking with Jesus really well. I've been doing my spiritual checkboxes, but our hearts have grown cold. Actually, the reality is quite far from God. 
that actually we're desperate for him, but we're, we're at a loss of what to do. Well, actually, this morning is a great opportunity to come and we'll pray with you. And maybe today can be the day that you say, well, actually, I'm going to start seeking God's face in this way. It's this great verse in Job. I've not departed from the commandment of his lips. I've treasured the words of his mouth more than my portion of food. Wouldn't that be a great testimony? I treasure what God says more than even having food on my table. It's just something for us to think about this morning. And as a church, I think it's something that in the future I want to kind of call us to times of prayer and fasting. Carl was talking to me this morning saying that I think in 2016, hope are going to be uh, organised, and I don't know how long this is for, is it a month? An ongoing process of prayer and fasting for uh, evangelism in the UK and beyond. To see God move in our nation. So it would be good to get some practice in, wouldn't it? For next year, right? <laughs> but seriously, it might be something like to say, well, okay, one day a week I'm going to start fasting. One day a week I'm going to skip my meals, and at work, where I'd normally go for a bit of banter and, you know, my Big Mac, I'm going to go to McDonald's still, but I'll, um, I'll pray. I'll fast. I'll, I'll, read, I'll read the Bible. I'll seek God's face. Or it might be, say, well, I'm just not going to have breakfast all week. Or I'm going to say, right, for the whole month of September I'm going to fast and give that a go. It's pretty extreme. But I think scientifically you can do it. Obviously you take water on board. But some people fast drink as well. Generally it tends just to be food and just drink. So if you like your wine, you can fast that too. But maybe that is maybe something like, okay, well, we've got big decisions to make in the future of this church. You know, God willing, God will be gracing us with many more people that we see saved. And not the problem, but the, the, the thing of, okay, well, what are we going to do about that? Are we going to have room for people? Where are we going to meet? Where we, all these kind of things are big decisions. And actually, we don't just want to make them lightly, do you? You want to pray and fast, but it might be in your own walk with God. In your own life, there's big decisions to be made about your future, about your employment, about your family. I don't know. You will know. So why not try fasting? Because do we treasure God more than anything else? Let me just pray for us. And as I said, like, I think the worship group will come up and um, we'll sing. And we'll have the opportunity to respond. Um, but we'd love to pray with you this morning um, as well. Particularly, I think, people that have kind of had that exterior of everything's okay. But actually, our hearts are a bit far from God. And you know what? I had a moment like that yesterday. You know, I had the realisation that I'd not been walking with God as I should be. When God says to me, you treat me like a service station. All of us are there at times, aren't we? That the fire grows slightly dimmer and we need God's spirit. So let's pray. Father, we, we thank you that um, you speak to us today. And we thank you that the Holy Spirit said that we can hear your voice. And we just pray you'd speak to us now. We pray that as we make ourselves vulnerable and we want to rend our hearts to you this morning, that you would comfort us, that you would bring peace, that you would bring your love, that we'd know we're the children of God this morning. And God, if we're desperate for you, help us to demonstrate that privately by fasting, by seeking your power, by not being content with what we have, 
but by always knowing that there is so much more of you to behold. That God, we're desperate. We really want to see you move in our town. We want to see you move in our lives. We want to see you glorified, lifted high, blessed. So God, we ask now, Holy Spirit, you'd speak to us. And for those that feel prompted, that you'd help us to put those things into action. You'd help us to seek your face. To spend our time wisely. And God, we pray you'd stoke the fires of our heart once again. Put a real passion into our hearts that all the time we'll be walking with you in close relationship with you. Help us to not just float through life, but to know uh, your presence with us, before us, behind us, hemming us in. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.